in a place known to be the land of saints and scholars, home to Saints Patrick, Bridget, and Columba. There are those that have lived lives of heroic virtue, yet are forgotten by time. These are the stories of Ireland's forgotten treasures, told by Father Gabriel Burke. Hi everyone, Father Gabriel Burke here, curate in Cloyne Parish, way down in Cork in the south of Ireland. And we've been looking at forgotten treasures. Originally, we were looking at the causes of sanctity in Ireland and then Irish Americans. And now we're looking at sacred pilgrimage places that people may no longer know much about. Today, we're going to look at Our Lady of Clonfert. Now, Clonfert was, until recently, an independent diocese very small diocese, probably one of the smallest dioceses in the world, had about 20,000 people. And as a diocese, it dates back to the Council of Brazil in 1111. So it's been there for a long time. Beside it was the Archdiocese of Chum. And the Archdiocese of Chum takes in much of Galway and Mayo and around there. But part of the Archdiocese of Chum was Galway City. But um, when the Normans came in, they took over the city and Chum remained Gaelic. So there was always a tension between the Normans and the Gaelic. And so eventually in the mid 1800s, Galway formed its own diocese. So now in County Galway, you have part of Galway is in the Archdiocese of Chum. A part of Galway is in the Diocese of Galway. And West Galway is in the Diocese of Clonfert. Clonfert Cathedral, the original Catholic cathedral, is still there and still in use. It's now owned by the Anglicans. But Clonfert itself nowadays is a tiny little village. I mean, it's... You've got on one end of the street the cathedral and the other end you've got the Clonfert Parish Church. There isn't much in between. A school, a pub and a garage service station. And that Clonfert diocese would have been in medieval times a wealthy diocese because the land around Clonfert is very good. It's good pasture land. Now, sometime, someone hid a statue. And that statue, probably hidden maybe during the Cromwellian forces or sometime like that. Now, we're not sure exactly where the statue came from. Some people believed that it became... It came from the cathedral. And others believe that on the other side of the cathedral, there used to be a monastery. And that it might have come from there. But anyway, in the 19th century, a woodcutter was cutting down an old oak tree. And lo and behold, blood came out of the tree. So when he examined the tree further, he found that the statue was in the hollow of the oak tree. And unfortunately, he had cut the arm off it. 
So the statue was taken out and it was originally put into the new Catholic Cathedral of Clonfert, which is in the town of Loch Ray. But every morning they came back, the statue was gone. And it would be in Clonfert. So they tried this a couple of times and the statue returned by itself to Clonfert. So therefore they put it into the church in Clonfert. Now, Clonfert is so small nowadays that it's not even its own parish. It's the parish of Aircourt, Neelick and Clonfert. So small, tiny little village. And for years, the statue was in this church and the season for pilgrimage is the month of May. And people come from all over Galway to the statue during the month of May. Father Declan became its parish priest in 2021 and he redesigned the shrine. So the shrine used to be in a little wooden case with glass around it. He's taken it out of that, built a beautiful marble and marble altar rails in front of it. And that statue has been in that church since it was found. Now, the statue itself dates to the 13th century. There's nothing spectacular about the statue. It's quite run-of-the-mill um, statue that would have been used in many churches in the 13th and 14th century. And there used to be great devotion in County Mead to, in Trim and Navan. And it seems that they were similar statues. So it's quite run-of-the-mill stuff. The statue itself is about four foot high. Our Lady is dressed in a kind of a bluish dress with a red cape on her. And she carries the baby. Now, the baby is facing her. She's holding the baby with her right hand and, of course, her left arm is missing. And funny enough, the outer arm of the child is also missing. Now, when people make the visit to the statue, they usually make three visits during the month of May. They come individually at all times throughout the day and night, and they light their candles and leave their intentions. Throughout the month, on Sunday, there is benediction and rosary and a sermon at 7 p.m. And on all other days during May, there's a mass at 8 p.m. with a sermon. The present prayer that is used um, is was written by Father Ryan. And he, unfortunately, was murdered many years ago. So if you're, if you're ever in Ireland and you're ever in the West, you'll have to use your Google Maps because this village is so small, you probably won't see any signs to it. But go along to the church. The church is opened every day. And even outside of May, you can visit the statue.
the statue reminds us, in Ireland at least, of what our forefathers went through to keep the faith. Henry VIII, as you know, closed many of the monasteries, practically all the monasteries. That had an unforeseen consequence. The unforeseen consequence was, what did you do with the poor? Because the monasteries were essential to the social life of people. They were places of education. They were places where people went when they were sick. And they were centers for the poor. The poor were, were fed there. The poor slept there. The poor moved from one monastery to another. When Henry closed the monasteries, that social fabric ended. Now the wealthy could still get education, secretly, in a hedge school. The sick could be looked after at home. But what did you do with the poor? And eventually, under Elizabeth's reign, Elizabeth I now, not the one that's just died, the notorious poorhouses were opened. And these were shocking places, and only the poorest of the poor went into it because they were made so difficult and so horrible that people wouldn't want to go. So that was one consequence of the closure of the monasteries. The other consequence is that Henry never foresaw, because remember, Henry remained a type of Catholic. He just made himself head of the church in the British Islands. But he still went to Mass. He still had the divine office. He still had a celibate priesthood. So for all intents and purposes, in your parish church, nothing changed. And Henry himself went to Mass every single day of his life until he died. And he left £600 for Masses to be said after he died. But then what happened was when Henry died, his only male heir was Edward. And Edward had been brought up as a strict Calvinist Protestant. And so even the parish churches were attacked and statues were smashed and paintings were ripped apart. And uh, if there was painting on the walls, they were whitewashed. So an awful lot of statues and an awful lot of paintings and artwork and everything went missing at that time. Then Mary came to the throne and Mary was Catholic. So a lot of people took their hidden treasures and brought them back to the churches. But then Elizabeth came and she tried to find a medium between the two. But then the biggest trouble in Ireland came after the Tudors. The Stuarts were related to the Tudors and they were king of Scotland. So when the Tudor line died out, it went to the Stuarts. 
Now, the Stuarts were rather eccentric, and they believed in the divine right of kings. In, in other words, they believed that they were ordained by God to be king, and nobody could say anything to them, and that parliament wasn't really necessary. And of course, this caused friction in England because since the Magna Carta, Parliament was important. The Stuarts then began the Civil War, and Cromwell, who was a Puritanical Protestant, won. And he destroyed an awful lot of things in Ireland. An awful lot of relics that we had since St. Patrick were burnt and statues and things like that were ripped out of churches. So it's probably during the Cromwellian times that this statue was hidden in the hollow of an oak tree. And then, of course, as often happens, the laws against Catholics didn't, weren't rescinded, and so people forgot where they had hidden things. And nowadays we find lots of things. So in the 19th century, this statue was found. In the 20th century, we have found the Arda chalice. We've found the Derry Flan chalice. We have found even a, a, a Psalter um, from the Psalms in the bogs where they were probably hidden during the time of the Reformation. And the state of the statue, but it's Arnison, shows the suffering of the Irish Catholics during that time. They were not allowed to have a horse worth more than five pounds, because a horse worth more than five pounds could be used in a battle. It was a big, hefty horse. They couldn't be members of any of the professions. They couldn't be an accountant, a lawyer, a doctor, anything like that. They couldn't be a member of parliament. If a Catholic died, his land was divided between all his children. If one of the children became Protestant, they got all the land. Catholics couldn't attend mass. It was forbidden to be a priest or a bishop or religious in Ireland. There was a hundred pounds bounty on a bishop, 10 pounds bounty on a priest. In order to be educated, you had to slip out of the country and be educated in the Irish colleges in Spain, Portugal. France, Belgium, Rome itself. If you wanted to be a priest, you had to go off. But when you came back, you had to come back secretly. You couldn't dress as a priest. And you had to go from one place to another and you said mass at mass rocks or in caves or in the middle of woods. All these things were caused so that the Irish Catholic would become poor. And for economic reasons then, the belief was that he would convert to Protestants. But he didn't. And the poor state of the statue is the poor state of the Irishman during Reformation. It's also seen as the poor state of religion today. Ireland that exported priests all over the world. The land of Catholic saints and scholars is the most woke country in the world. It is the most difficult country in which to be a Christian. You have to be very careful who you speak to, who you say things to. 
we have governments that are the most liberal in the world. We have an abortion regime more liberal than anywhere else in Europe. We will be bringing in euthanasia soon. Guarantee it. We're at the moment now of taking women out of the constitution and replacing marriage with durable relationship. In this country, a man can say he's a woman and get a cert from the government to say so. And you can't say anything against him. The land of saints and scholars has become the land of snakes and serpents. And that's why we need places like Our Lady of Clonfert to remind us of the faith, to remind us of what our forefathers went through, to remind us that in this life, it ends. And the life hereafter is the most important. Our Lady of Clonfert has been with her people in all their struggles. And she remains with us today. Pray to her. Ask her to re-enliven your own faith. To give you the strength to be a Catholic, even when it's best to keep your mouth shut. Ask her to help you to have a good devotion to the Mass and to the saints. And above all, ask her to help you to look at people with the eyes of God and see those who are in need. And may Almighty God bless you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The preceding program was a Spirit of Truth Radio Arts original production in partnership with Salt and Light Catholic Radio. To find out more about Spirit of Truth Radio Arts, go to their website at www.castingthe.net.